Hey guys, in this episode of the Give You The Biz podcast, I wanted to uh, re- replay an old episode and uh, kind of go back to some of these startup issues I had. Uh, you know, it's becoming even more apparent in my life now that I need to get this message out there as I feel there's a lot of confusion on how I've met certain people and how I got hooked up with certain people and some of the businesses I've taken under all heart. So I just wanted to replay this one uh, and another one as well uh, to remind people of how I got started and then also follow this up with uh, a more in-depth episode of the businesses under all heart and explaining what's kind of going on here. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, here you go. Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is Mike, and we're back for another episode of the Give You The Biz podcast. Uh, You know, previously in this podcast, I've talked quite a bit about some failures I've had, some successes I've had, uh, and a lot of uh, other little uh, lessons I've had in becoming an entrepreneur. But today I wanted to get into a little bit of the startup uh, world and some of the things that I've gone through as far as pitching and, and things like that go. Um, and talk a little bit about capital, some of the deals I've been offered, and then actually give people a little bit of a, a, a you know sneak peek on some of the things that I've been uh, offered and 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 suggested and different things like that as far as my journey goes so far. So I wanted to definitely get into that and tell you guys quite a bit about that uh, today. Uh, and I wanted to start this off. Uh, by talking about uh, how I got into the startup world in the first place. Now, on this podcast, I've talked a little bit about my career change and the fact that I was an accountant before uh, and was a tax accountant at that and had my own little business in practice where I did taxes um, and would, you know, fill them out and then also worked for a tax company and as my own company inside. Uh, I've also worked for a lot of these smaller tax companies and bigger tax companies from like the the Jackson Hewitt style places to, you know, small mom and pop tax shops. I love doing it on the side um, from being an accountant as well. So it was a great uh, source of income. But, you know, did that for years um, and started off uh, really early in middle school and then learning taxes then and uh, carried that into uh, a nice uh, revenue stream, you know, in my early 20s and mid 20s. Uh, before finally landing one of my bigger accounting gigs and government work and, um, you know, kind of settling in that for a few years. Uh, but, you know, after being pretty bored and, you know, want, learning uh, quite a bit about blockchain, now I had learned about crypto pretty early on, uh, 2011 to 2012 was the first time I had learned about crypto, uh, learned about the uh, uh, cryptography and some of these systems uh back then as well. I didn't really necessarily know it was blockchain until about 2015 or 16. You know, once I started to uh, really dive in deeper later and kind of learn that word, that kind of buzzword, right? That's now being thrown around everywhere, right? And becoming one of the most important words on the internet. Uh, And a word that could replace, uh, you know, be the system that replaces the internet, right? So blockchain has grown quite a bit and it's nice to really see it grow. Um, But that was the first time I had heard about it And at this time, I was an accountant and, uh, you know, kind of just ready for a career change and ready for something new. I've talked a little bit on about on uh, I've talked a little bit about this on this podcast already previously, where I, you know, had left from Arizona um, and planned on moving to Florida, where, you know, crypto was a hotspot and still is a hotspot 
Uh, and on the way, ended up staying with my dad for a little bit to kind of figure things out, right? And, uh, you know, talk to him. And, you know, I was in my late 20s making this, uh, mid, mid to late 20s making this career change. And, uh, of course, like most 20-year-olds, you, you, you thought you had it figured out, but you don't, right? So spent some time with my dad to kind of console there and then get his advice. He, my dad was a hell of a businessman himself. Uh, no, no millionaire by any means, but had uh, plenty six-figure uh, times in his life and, and carried employees and trucks and inventory and different businesses and contracts. And I, as a kid, I watched him get acquisitions from the city. And, you know, he, my dad was a, a, a plumber and electrician and, you know, engineer. And, uh, you know, I watched him uh, hustle quite a bit. So my dad is, my mother's always been my go-to for advice and counsel. Uh, but my dad is definitely the uh, savvy business guy of the family. And I always tend to run a lot of my deals by him. And he's he's very straightforward guy, you know, no nonsense kind of guy, country, you know, so really cuts through problems uh, with the knife, I always say, you know, and really slices through anything, any issues that I have fairly easily. So I spent a lot of time with him kind of figuring things out. And he had no idea about this blockchain thing, right? Uh, but he, he always thought I would do some sort of engineering and, uh, he knew that electrical engineering was kind of becoming a thing of the past, uh, as far as, uh, uh, long-term growth and stability goes. So, um, you know, it's always going to be there in different sectors and things like that, but just having a lucrative engineering career, he had heard of software and was wanting to push me into that anyway. And so, uh, he was very supportive after a lot of our talks and, Helped me make my way to uh, Florida, where I finally made my full-on career change and was now trying to finish learning how to program uh, and now, you know, diving deep into this blockchain thing and then trying to uh, figure out different projects, right? And so uh, that is where I, Florida is where I became who I am today, I feel like, you know, it really changed me. Uh, prior to, I had traveled uh, quite a bit already, pretty extensively. Uh, blessed to say that I'm pretty well cultured and pretty well traveled as far as our nation goes, even prior to this. Uh, but by the time I got to Florida, that's when I had really became who I, I am today and saw a new culture and, and met new people and, uh, you know, changed just quite a bit. And in, in doing so, I, you know, finally worked up uh, some courage to go to some of these coding meetups, uh, which, you know, landed me a lot of good contracts and a lot of good friends uh, in the uh, coding world some of which I still talk to today. And uh, from there, I landed my um, first gig, actually. So, or second gig, I'm sorry, actually, which was uh, first in the software business, but the second um, in, in what you would call a uh, startup, right? Um, and so I get to Florida and, uh, you know, I, I land this startup gig and it's with the company that is doing supply chain software based out of London with a office in New York and one that they were getting ready to open up in Miami, right? So, you know, we were working and uh, got brought on as an intern. And I think I lasted probably eight weeks, right? There was no pay, right? And it was all based on the contracts you could get. And as somebody was still learning the software and really learning where it could be used that, it was just like, no good right it didn't it didn't suit me at all i wasn't doing it well there at all 
And uh, it, it turned out to be a pretty big failure uh, as far as that uh, startup goes, right? So uh, the startup owner was a lobbyist and a diplomat. Uh, God, I cannot remember where. It was in the Middle East, but he served as a diplomat in the Middle East uh, before moving to Australia uh, and getting into lobbying there. He was an American guy from uh, New Hampshire. Peter was his name. And uh, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. But it was a great company. It was probably four of us when I started and probably about eight when I left. Uh, it taught me a lot about uh, how not to run a business pretty early on, how they were able to receive funding. Uh, he kind of kept it, the owner there, Peter, and uh, spent a ton of money in getting the product developed. Uh, I, I didn't know the exact numbers, but, you know, being a bottom chain intern guy, but uh, I know that they brought in 75000 um, and then another chunk of about a quarter of a million dollars in the investment money, which ended up going into his pocket mainly and uh, him paying for development. And then taking almost six months, I don't, I, he, you know, he didn't call it vacation, but we did, um, you know, a six month trip, you know, uh, in Dubai, right? And he he did that. I think my second month there, and I found out later from other guys it turned out to be six months, but he just kind of left to Dubai with his son and wife and like with the money type thing, you know? So that was pretty bad. Uh, the supply chain software turned out to be extremely good as well. Carried a lot of solutions, uh, still out there, but he's now a solo company, obviously, you know, after keeping all the money. And, uh, that was kind of that. He, everybody left, uh, little by little interns left, the developers left and, uh, kind of left him by himself. Right. So that was my first experience with the startup kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, but, uh, you know, I did get valuable uh, blockchain experience as the developers there were very savvy, uh, very knowledgeable, had years in it already uh, and came from a heavy mathematics uh, background. So they really taught me quite a bit um, on the surface level and, and you know, about uh, blockchain, but then really dove deep into the cryptography of it and then the future of the cryptography of it and things that will solve the cryptography and crack the codes and, uh, you know, and then things like that as well. So that, that taught me a lot. And that was my very first, uh, um, you know, outside of finance, that was my very first experience with another use case, right. Of, of blockchain software. So that was very important. That was a very important lesson. And, uh, uh, you know, things like that, that were great then. So, uh, but then carried on past there. I had uh, made my way back to Indiana, uh, just to visit my dad. Um, and was going to end up staying for a month before going back to Florida and kind of just needed more clothes, needed to go by and see everybody. Um, you know, wanted to go see snow a little bit. And, uh, while there, you know, I figured I'd get a car and maybe drive that back to Florida. At the moment I had left my car in Phoenix uh, before making my way to Florida. And then Florida was uh, carless and um, doing bus and Ubers and things like that. Didn't really need a car. I'm not really a car guy anyway. Uh, but then this is my first experience with uh, Teslas, right? So I'm looking around for cars. It's snowing heavy, you know, in, in Indiana where family's at. And I need a, a good car, you know. Uh, um, Florida, you know, taught me to be uh, a little greener. Right. And the things I do and care about my environment and, and change my scene and change my people. So 
uh, you know, I, I was like, you know, let me try one of these Teslas and see what this is about. And it's electric and all this kind of stuff. It was a great deal. I met a guy who was renting them at the time. Right. Uh, and so um, I talked to this guy and went up and met with him. And, you know, he had this renting business where he'd rent them on Toro or, you know, just put up an ad and try and rent them and do his own thing. And uh, I had already come from the car business. And I talked about this previously in this podcast. I used to sell uh, exotic cars and broker them as well. And so I had already come from this line of business. I understood leases very well. Uh, and I understood independent uh, leasing as well as we brokered and you know, consigned cars and things like that. And uh, what I like to do, creative contracts is what I like to call it. I was very experienced with that, especially in the realm of cars. So uh, I had came on board and we met and, you know, instead of me renting this car, I talked him into a second meeting uh, where we met at a church, right? It's very important. I love this church, by the way, uh, in Indiana. And we ended up uh, meeting at this church and talking over coffee and uh, hopped right into a room there in the lobby where the church was that had a whiteboard. Uh, and I am like well known for loving to whiteboard and draw stuff out. I've been doing it since a kid. My uh, mother is big on it. It breeds, you know, technical communication and really helps you uh, uh, write out your ideas. Right. So I always had a whiteboard in my room, things like that. I just I just love to do it and and kind of guide people through things as I talk. Right. So we got in there, we got in this white room, this uh, uh um, lobby room, I'm sorry, and uh, got on the whiteboard and got going on details and then and, and forming this new business and then changing the model. And uh, he did not have a business plan at a time for this or, you know, <coughs> excuse me, an executive summary uh, or a financial. I hate nothing. He had no financial model, no anything. It was all based on just I just rent the car day by day. Some of the guys do it week by week type thing. Right. Um, and so I brought, uh, some expertise there, um, brought on two advisors, one uh, from Arizona, one from London that I knew both of them friends of mine to kind of talk about this thing and, uh, give us some advice and shaping the legal aspect of it. And, you know, it went, it went extremely, extremely well. Like I thought this was kind of going to be like a little part-time th side thing, but it went extremely well. And he and I clicked and bonded, uh, I must say, right away, like right, right away. He was, uh, my partner Steve was a much older guy, uh, probably about 25 years older than I was, uh, you know, former military guy and, uh, st you know, pretty stand-up guy, church guy. And we just got along. We got along great, you know, and um, he saw things how I did. He was a shark in the realm of business, which I absolutely loved and, uh, you know, allowed me to kind of, you know, put my boots on the ground, as I like to say, and, and work and um, really put my shark hat on. Right. And, and and look how we could grow this thing and get the capital for this thing. And we just bonded and clicked right away. And when I met him, he had uh, three cars um, with one of them being his. Uh, personal one that, uh, you know, he was just renting out the other two. He just kind of had one his brother bought uh, and he bought from him uh, to use for a, a daughter or son of his. And then the other one, it was just kind of a spare that he ended up just getting for cheap one day uh, and leasing out, you know. And uh, so we got the model together, uh, helped paid off the rest of the cars with the money that was, uh, you know, I had he had uh, to pay off one of the other cars. And now we're rolling. Now there's four cars. Um, 
and we're putting together this plan of how we're going to get some more cars and figure things out. And we absolutely took off. Like, we were a perfect match of brains and hustle, right? I mean, we went from, you know, these three cars that he had on Toro, right, just day by day, to now putting a website together uh, that I had did. Uh, He had a previous Craigslist ad, and so I put together a whole website for it, put together the forms for it, uh, got us email addresses, things like that, right? Uh, Also went on to uh, put everything together, uh, put together an enterprise dashboard for everybody uh, involved. Uh, We ended up bringing on some help and uh, getting drivers and um, the whole nine, man. We went from four cars, three cars, I'm sorry, to 42 cars in a hurry. Like I think within about seven months time, right? And these, if you guys know Teslas, these are not cheap cars, right? Uh, So put in, you know, Close to, by the time things were rolling, uh, probably about a million, 1.4, maybe 1.3 million in cars and inventory, right? So we we took off. We absolutely took off. We, uh, I changed the model and brought the business plan and also changed the price. We went up double um, and changed the model from a day-by-day thing into, you know, an eight-week thing. And uh, it just, it worked. Right. And we attached ourselves to Uber and Lyft drivers and they loved the cars, made more money with the cars. And we just absolutely took off like it was like nobody's business there. Um, and, you know, at our at its peak, the business was doing um, 75 to about uh, 95 K a month. Right. It was with just us two. We were a two man wrecking crew, uh, you know, scaled out doing uh, just under a million dollars in revenue a year between just us two part time, by the way right? This is part-time. So I, we were absolutely killing it. We put this thing together, like glued it up, man. It was, it was one of the best projects uh, I've done. We, and it really showed me, you know, who I work well with and still tend to work well with uh, an older gentleman and, and wiser guys and people I could listen to and then take advice from um, versus people my age and, you know, and then trying to huddle together and you know, put our money together to do something that uh, really was great learning from somebody and also being that balance and bringing the youth and, um, you know, some wit and some grit to the uh, to the table there. So we absolutely took off. And that brings me into kind of what I want to talk about is the pitching, uh, because in this sense, now we're rolling, we're doing, uh, you know, these numbers now and we've got salaries. I thought this was going to be a part time thing, uh, but turned into salaries. Uh, we both had a sixty thousand dollar uh, a year salary, right? He had a uh, full-time gig as a uh, like plant uh, operations manager where he made well into six figures, right? And, and had military salary. Uh, I had another part-time gig doing electrical work with my dad, you know, doing about twenty to $40,000 on the side of the year. So it was, I was doing well, right? Uh, you know, and he was doing very well, right? And then, so things were, things were, doing, I was doing really well. Things were kind of picking up for me. And, uh, you know, I was now using this money to go and travel and go and meet different people to, uh, pitch. Right. And that brings me to what I was going to talk about here. So that brings me now full circle into the world of startups here where, you know, the funnest part I consider was the, the journey of trying to secure capital for this business. Right. And, this is my first time doing this uh, as a uh, myself, right? And putting together pitch decks myself, 
I was uh, familiar with presentations, but not so familiar with pitch decks, right? This is my first time uh, needing to put something together. Uh, I had talked to plenty of investors in the past for, you know, my clothing business or, um, you know, little things that I was trying to do, right? And, and But nothing in this scale where you walk into these, you know, Shark Tank style offices and present this stuff. Or, you, you know, you get on these Zoom meetings or fly into these different places just to pitch this stuff, right, and, and whiteboard it out and show what you've got and, you know, have these bottom line business plans together and things like that, right? So it was my first experience doing it, and I absolutely loved it. It completely changed me. And not only was I, like, getting this, like, high from, you know, this this possibility of securing this money for this business that we had worked so hard for, but also, I felt the, the depression side of it, too, right, where um, you get told no so many times, right? Uh, like, true entrepreneurial uh, journey here where I was told no, you know, at least I, I did probably at least 100 presentations, at least, at least over this time. Like, I did so many different, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I, made, uh, I reached out to so many different people. I probably did a little over a hundred presentations and, and was told no, uh, 99% of the time, right? I was told that I had great presentations and, uh, I was told that, um, you know, many different things. I had bad paperwork. I was told that my approach was off. I didn't, I had one person tell me I should have dressed different. You know, I, I had somebody say, you know, I should have emailed, uh, everything and not wasted their time. You know, I had, People tell me that they were going to do it and they were interested and we sign, you know, our NDAs and get things going and we sign another memorandums of understanding, right? Saying that they were going to invest and then they disappear and don't, right? Or something happens or they pull out last minute. I've had, you know, the whole works. I've had all kinds of different things, right? Um, but finally, you know, when we were at full scale in this business and, you know, had uh, the 42 cars, um, I finally was making my rounds and I'm like, you know what, uh, as I'm doing more research on these cars, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, these cars are perfect for Uber and Lyft, like our guys are using it. Why don't we go find another rideshare company, right? Which I've talked about previously on this podcast, um, who, who are based out of uh, DC, right? And Fairrider. So I sought them out, um, and you know, we, had, uh, we became their supplier, which absolutely changed everything as far as value goes on our business as they were on their way up before they crashed and failed and that business turned over. Um, you know, but they were doing really well themselves, had a lot of momentum, uh, had a very big following, uh, in the, in, in Virginia where they were at in DC, um, and had a lot of celebrity, uh, interest as well from different people who were, you know, liking different posts and reaching out to them about, you know, their numbers and things like that. So us becoming their supplier was definitely a big deal, right? Especially because they now, you know, needed 10 cars uh, a month is what their order was and over the next six months, right? Which would take us into the two and a half to three and a half million dollar revenue per month stage with still only two employees now we're rolling right now that that on paper looks attractive anywhere right so now now we're starting to actually get offers and i'm now i'm not getting turned away and you know now people are inviting us to come and, and talk about you know some of the capital that we need and so that changed everything right and so at this time i had moved back to florida and was traveling 
And, uh, um, you know, we had both decided in our business that we were going to uh, withhold our salaries and reduce them all the way down to $24,000 a month. I'm sorry, a, a year, right? We were both only making two grand a month. Uh, he went down to one grand a month. I went to two grand a month because I still needed extra cash as I was traveling and doing side work. Uh, and I was the one doing all the pitching, really. And so, you know, um, we had reduced our salaries enough to make our, our numbers look even better and be able to purchase cars at a faster rate. And we did just that. We found a connection from a guy who used to work at Tesla who had cars and had people inside and things like that. And so, you know, we had reduced the cost of the Teslas we were purchasing, um, you know, a half, half price of what we were already paying, which was absolutely great. And, uh, you know, our numbers just looked absolutely amazing. And now we're getting offers. And uh, what I wanted to get to here was, you know, after we had made the bottom line in revenue now and, you know, enough to get into these meetings where you've got to do half a million revenue per year annual minimum. Right. Or, or scaled out, look like you're going to do five to ten. Now we have the business plan change where now we were ready to franchise out for the right deal, um, you know, and had six people already wanting to purchase franchises from us, uh, you know, and in letters and in letters of intent, LOIs and things like that. So it was great. We we looked like a valuable business, right, with a brand new uh, model financial model for cars, right? And now on top of that, here comes my blockchain thing. I'm, I'm ready to do an app. I'm ready to put a coin behind it. And apps, this is, a, you know, probably about two years before this new um, rush to the market came, right? Now there's this new rush on NFTs and different blockchain software. And uh, this is probably about a year and a half, two years prior to that with me, you know, trying to explain blockchain to probably 85% of the project's uh, managers and, and uh, different uh, people I was pitching to who barely knew it just a little bit, but it was way before this big rush that happened. And so, you know, of course, when you start talking about tech, these capital guys, private equity companies and investors really, they get their beaks wet, right? And now they, they start humming and hawing and uh, you know, trying to f get to the bottom of what you got going on because, you know, they, they, a lot of these times, especially prior to this crypto and Bitcoin rush here, uh, they had only heard, right. And they just know that there was tons of money, you know, uh, associated with it, but they didn't know how to get it right. Or didn't know how to get involved in the, in the business, in the sector. Right. And, and, and so this was like big time for us. Now I was offering IP, Right. And lots of it with the software, different things that I had thought of and adding AI to the software that I was going to do for this cars and attaching the insurance company that I had reached out to. I had really sewed things up and, you know, so much so that we were starting to now get, you know, evaluations um, of upward, like over a hundred million dollars. Right. And I remember that was probably we had our highest evaluation on one hundred and ten million dollars for this car business that we had had fully scaled out at two thousand cars. Right. And with the software attached that I had had, which was right on par, right, with a lot of the different things and insurances and stuff I had to offer uh, and it being exclusive for drivers. So uh, we had like it, we were rolling like that. Now, you know, things were changing um, and I had never experienced this kind of money being thrown my way. Right now, the deals are changing and uh, some of the offers I had gotten were, you know, uh, really interesting. One I had received, um, you know. 
was about uh, $200,000. This is my first experience with a credit line. Um, you know, having credit cards and then defaulted on some, you know, having some others throughout college. Uh, didn't compare to, you know, banks now offering, you know, uh, $200,000 credit lines, uh, bottom lines, and, uh, you know, learning about loan to value and, and different things like that was great. Um, but one of the offers we had, did get for uh, $200,000 of revolving credit line that we were able to use um, and replenish that would replenish every three months, right? As long as we were making our payments on time. Um, so we'd basically go up 200,000 and the limit uh, every three months, right? As a business, which was a pretty decent offer. You know, interest was at 9%, not the greatest, uh, but it also was amazing being as small as we were, right? Um, another one that we had received, a uh, guy offered us 5 million straight out for 50% of the business. Uh, that we ended up turning down. Um, we, I had I'd been offered one million a year uh, in uh, a credit line as well. Uh, you know, for twenty percent of the business, which we rejected. Uh, we had lots of different offers at two hundred k, five hundred k. You know, tons and tons of different offers, which was fantastic. One that I wanted to bring up that I will never forget is. Um, we got one at $45 million, which was the one that caused me to stay in Florida for almost a month trying to secure this deal. Um, and this was somebody who wanted to do $45 million. You know, our original ask that we had put together, by the way, was for uh, $2 million a month is what we needed to scale this thing out quickly over 24 months with the software, the insurance company the credit company, and then me also pushing the cars to Africa, which is where I wanted to take them. Um, and we, we were seeking $2 million a month, basically, uh, you know, and in, in, in those kind of tranches or tranches of $6 million over every three months, right, till we hit a $24 million cap was all we really wanted, um, all really needed, right, but it, in order to be self-sustainable and, and scale, you know, using revenue. Um, and so... We had uh, plenty of offers, but the biggest offer we got, biggest offer we got, was forty-five million uh, for sixty-five percent of the business, right? And we'd both become employees. Uh, I had a sweat equity deal um, on the surface of the uh, first location of the business, and then I had uh, a sixty percent deal for the second location, which was going to be in my home city, Phoenix. Um, and then uh, a third of the equity I'd have, you know, in the rest of the businesses uh, and franchise locations as they open. Um, and then I had uh, some money in cars there that uh, I had to be paid back. Right. So I had some money in the inventory as well. Uh, not quite as much as uh, my partner, but, uh, you know, still thousands as well. Enough to uh, have some skin in the game, you know. And so um the $45 million deal we would have would have made us employees shrunk me down to 5% uh, and max me at 5% equity in the business. Uh, but I was going to be given like $2 million in just cash, right? As a 20 something year old and all that. And as great as that sounded, I, you know, I, 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 I wanted to take it actually too, but as great as that sounded, I knew we weren't going to take that. Um, my partner was not buying that one at all, uh, which was going to reduce him down to like 15% equity, you know, in the company, which he did not want to do. Um, and so, you know, it was great going through these different things. Um, I know that this was a time where 
um, you know, salaries fluctuating up and down, traveling, doing the ramen noodle thing, having to travel and go pick up cars throughout the country um, also really killed me on top of this. Right. I was traveling, you know, five, six days on the road to go pick up these Teslas in different places to earn my keep here. Uh, and then on top of that, emailing and pitching people along the way and putting stuff together. Uh, it, it was so much fun, you know, and um, it was an amazing experience. Uh, but it was really a depressing process. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, don't make it that far. They don't actually that all uh, don't make it that far. And a lot of people don't really get to uh, any yeses. Right. When it comes to pitching, because this was definitely a depressing process, as I've said, you know, and getting all these different no's and, you know, all this hard work you put into it just to be told no. And you're, this is awful and bad idea. I think I was told this was a bad idea, especially the blockchain software I was going to put behind it uh, and, and token I was going to put behind it. I was told that that was a bad idea. You know, I think. Yeah, I'd say about 99 percent of the time, too, and to about 99 percent of the people who I told, I think over a two year period, the absolute only person uh, who actually agreed with what I was doing was probably my dad. My partner really didn't get it. You know, he didn't know computers that well. He knew what I was talking about just more trusted that I was going to build great software around it. And I was able to convince him by the numbers. Right. And so he just kind of trusted it. Uh, but most of the people, you know, which is, again, prior to this blockchain and NFT and Bitcoin rush and things like that going on now. Right. Um, people didn't know what the hell I was talking about. or really didn't know if it was going to work. Right. So their eyes lit up. But then they would be like, ah, it's a bad idea. I don't know. Bad idea. Right now, this idea is worth billions now. <laughs> right. So passed up on that one. Missed, missed that up. Um, but. You know, being told no so many times about that was definitely a depressing process. And a lot of uh, people really don't make it to that far, you know. But we ended up uh, going back to one of the original deals we had. Um, and he ended up taking an offer from somebody uh, in his neighborhood in Indiana. And I took an offer from somebody in Arizona who I used to work for, who's like a mentor of mine. And we and uh, his offer was an investment, uh, you know, received $1 million dollars in cars, uh, you know, for equity in the business, a guy who had his own Tesla inventory for a company he was trying to start that failed. And, uh, you know, we ended up soaking that up, which was great. Uh, and then I was able to secure us a $250,000 credit line at a 2% interest rate. Right. So, uh, we ended up taking that deal and that came out of Arizona, somebody I know, and that was my very first yes. Right. I had plenty of offers that we ended up turning down. And then all of my offers, uh, of course, I was turned down. But this was our first yes. And I was extremely happy about it. Uh, it was a fantastic deal. Um, and this was revolving credit, uh, $250,000 revolving credit. Same deal where, you know, as long as you're making payments, uh, it would go up. But the limit was going up every 35 days. Right. So this was a sweet, sweet gig. Now, this was uh, pretty good. Right. For two and a half million for one year and the credit line basically revolving every month. Right. So that was great. It was a great deal. And that was perfect for that. They matched our revenue stream. Perfect. And able to keep us pretty profitable. Uh, but then, excuse me. I'm sorry. Things started to change there as, um, you know, we started to get the money. This was my first experience thinking, that, you know, because originally the agreement was that, uh, if I was able to secure something, right, there would be incentive there. 
and uh, I could drive some of that money home to my salary, right? Because at this time we had reduced them. You know, I couldn't, and I traveled so much. You can't really work and travel. Uh, I was out of town at least, you know, uh, 14 or 15 days out of every month. So it's not like I could really work a steady job. Um, you know, even I was making just side income, right, for my business. And so it brought me into us needing to not have the talks on equity again for myself because I brought in more money and also uh, my salary, right? So then there was disagreements there, uh, you know, which happens in any business. And, uh, you know, it felt like uh, my partner was changing quite a bit. And I noticed him, you know, doing more vacations and then some of the books not being a little funny with certain things, right? And so uh, that was that was a bad situation, right? It turned out to be pretty bad in the end. Uh, with ultimately me keeping capital that was meant for the Phoenix location because uh, I felt ripped off in some other parts of the deal and, you know, wasn't getting the uh, justification of my salary for the deal I just landed, right? And all the other things that I had done in our original agreement, right? Uh, so there was difficulty there, but, you know, the pit, that that experience really changed me, um, you know, because on on top of that, we had swallowed up the rideshare company, you know, and ended up uh, buying them and um, make getting offers on their stuff and, and doing different pitches with uh, for them on behalf of them, you know, with different people, which was great experience for me. Uh, I had had us in the middle of swallowing up an insurance company uh, that I already had uh, capital that was going to be used for, you know, the purchase of this company uh, and then pitched them as well. So. Uh, all in all, probably did about, you know, again, well over 100 presentations for just that one alone uh, and really taught me a lot. And, of course, putting together these different decks and things like that were great. Uh, it really taught me, you know, about business and, and the startup culture. And I, I say this because at this time I was podcasting and doing a lot of other things. And uh, it really gave me the startup bug. Right. And, and they bit me. Right. Pretty good. And I couldn't believe all the different people I was meeting, uh, the different ideas I was coming across. And it was just the most exciting thing. And, and it just seemed like this was like a young person's dream. Like all of the young people around the nation were just going to latch onto this thing, which I think is going to happen anyway, um, you know, and and see this as the new gamble. Right. Because I think millennials and, and Generation Z they, you know, we are a group that loves the process and the journey. I think we fell in love with the process and the journey more than the results. And we are, you know, a generation that will gamble on themselves and, 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 you know, bet on themselves. And I feel like that matches, you know, as we try to break free and see what's out there, you know, due to social media and being aware, um, I think it just matches you know, my personality, and I think it matches the average millennials personality and growing up in the world that we did. Um, and I think it's just going to continue to flourish and it, startup culture is really here to stay. And, uh, you know, one one particular thing I wanted to bring up was a VC company uh, out of Colorado. I want to say, yeah, Colorado and they had another location. I think Utah is like right next door. Uh, they were huge. They were doing like six to seven hundred million um, in in capital every year. Right. Uh, like they were huge, huge, huge company that, you know, early money in Uber and, and early number here and early number there. Right. They had money everywhere um, that they had made early on. Very experienced group. You know, you could always tell this is a VC company with two dozen employees. So they were doing they were doing very well. Right. It was extensively well. 
Um, but they were somebody I remember pitching to because they absolutely loved my idea. And I will never forget this. Uh, Sharon or Sherry, I believe is the lady's name, um, who I was pitching to. And it was five people at a table um, during a virtual presentation. And then I followed up with uh, driving all the way down there in the snow through you know, Indiana, all the way down to see them um, and broke down before you know, making it. So I had to do this virtual pitch with them and they absolutely like loved it. And this was one of the very first people I came across that was just so knowledgeable about blockchain and could understand the patents and different things that I was trying to chase. And, and, you know, it made sense to her and she absolutely loved it and backed it. And, uh, they wanted to do the deal so bad. And she, you know, was talking to her board. We kept putting me on hold, you know, over the next few days, few weeks to, try her best to try and pitch it because she was like the head person there, one of the head people. And she loved it and went on, but had to get agreements from everybody, you know, based on the service uh, system they run there. And they they just couldn't get past the fact that we didn't meet their uh, $10 million a year annual revenue stream, right? We were at a 10th of that by the time I had gotten there. So, but she absolutely loved it, man, wanted to pour all this cash into it and, and, you know, grow and scale it. And she had come from the uh, uh, rideshare world world as well. She was part of a group that engineered the $10,000 electric car. Um, God, there are three wheelers. Cannot remember the name now. She's an engineer and was a part of that group uh, as an investor. Yeah, I cannot remember the name. Kills me, but you guys may know what I'm talking about. The three wheelers based out of Silicon Valley. They were $10,000 electric cars. I didn't really think much of them, but they did okay. Um, they are the same company that was part of these new uh, electric motor scooters that were big in San Francisco that have turned into bird scooters now. And they're across the whole entire nation through government programs and city programs, right? Um, she was part of that group. Uh, very knowledgeable, man. And then she just couldn't get the guys to get past it. And, uh, you know, they loved what I was doing, but they said, you know, one of the last things they told me were rules are rules. Right. And and they set these guidelines for a reason and they loved me. But, you know, they can't. This is one of the and I, I remember this to this day. One of the last things they told me was, you know, we're not in the business of investing in people. You know, we have to. It's not just people. We have to uh, have you know requirements that we need to ensure that we're going to make our money back. Right. It was one of the last things one of the older guys had said. Right. And so, uh, you know, after waiting a few weeks for her to try to put things together, it didn't work out and kind of went our separate ways. But I say that because I recently checked on them probably about two weeks ago now, and they are offering now, you know, upwards of five million dollars in capital. Right. For uh, individuals that have vision Right. And in our, their early seed stage, right before you had to when I got to them, you had to be two to four year minimum, which they allowed us barely. We had I think we had like month 20. Right. But by, by the time the money or month 21, by the time the money came, it was going to be like month 23 ish. Right. Or something. So they kind of let us slide there. Didn't like that at all. Uh, that was one of the requirements we didn't meet um, on top of the minimum money requirement. Right. So um, but they were now looking for individuals with vision is what they were advertising now on their site and uh and their social medias and 
now you don't even need a business plan, right? They were able to, they managed to watch my journey on the internet and social media and garner this attention and work out these different deals and, and gain the, uh, you know, uh, interest from celebrities and, and bigger companies. Um, and they now couldn't believe what I was doing. And they now completely, you know, because of that influence, changed their whole business model and their whole approach and their whole way they welcome people into the, the, the company. Right. And which was big. Uh, I, you know, changing a VC, influencing the VC to do something is, is, you know, absurd, especially they've got, you know, this particular one got half a billion in capital. Right. So uh, they now, you know, it's funny because I look at it and I'm like, man, I, I know I could go back and do something big now. Right. And, and probably demand way more um, with some of the stuff I'm doing and some of the leverage I managed to uh, make for myself. But, um, you know, it's an interesting, interesting time at that. And then, you know, influencing, influencing them to do that was uh, fantastic. Uh, from that now, I've gone on to start my own uh, little projects and, and startups and uh, doing pitching there and then landed some things, some places, you know, and, and, and got no's at more places, right, still, right? So, but it's just a great adventure uh, and one that's still kind of going here and hopefully uh, will wrap itself up here soon. Uh, but definitely look forward to, uh, you know, doing some videos on this kind of stuff and going deeper into some of the stuff I had to do or maybe I'll write a book about it someday. Who knows? Uh, but either way, uh, thank you guys for listening. I just wanted to share a little bit about the startup world as, uh, you know, it's kind of taken off. Uh, I share a little bit about my startup experience because it's the market's taken off again and uh, VCs are starting to load up, it seems like. And, you know, Crypto's doing so well that, uh, you know, all of these crypto startups are going to start to just, you know, get buttloads of money from these guys and uh, really take off. So looking forward to seeing where that goes. But again, thank you guys for listening. My next podcast, I have a private equity guy. Uh, we're getting ready to meet here and, and do a pretty solid episode. I'm sure you guys will like that. And I'll talk a little bit more about my experiences and a little bit more about, uh, the current market and get a lot of his opinion as well. He's a really smart guy with some uh, investments in that space as well. And I absolutely love if you guys have been following my podcast for a while, you've heard my episode with Kevin Fetchmeyer, where we talked capital and private equity and his experience there. I love talking to those guys. Uh, they have a wealth of experience in business and also a, you know, buttload of money. So it's always nice talking to those guys and they work with tons of wealth. So it's great to hear from them. But either way, thank you guys again for listening. You know, you can listen to me on all platforms uh, every other Monday. Make sure you tune into my episode next Monday where we talk capital and talk private equity and the current market. Thank you guys again for listening and uh, see you next Monday.